my god, this is so good. There's a certain blissful joy that comes from digging into a favorite pint of ice cream. Mmm. Oh my god. And for me, that's anything with brownies in it. Now, as an adult, I do have to limit my ice cream intake to a scoop here or there with several workout days in between. But as a kid, I could chow down a pint of chocolate fudge brownie and still somehow manage to lose weight. Welcome to the Metro Focus podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Flanagan. Getting lost in the whole creamy, chocolatey, chewy experience is one of my life's simplest joys. But it turns out it's not entirely self-serving. My love of ice-cold, fudgy, brownie mixed ice cream, well, it turns out it's actually a public service of sorts. Because for one brand, those brownies are part of a larger movement to help people go from un- and underemployed to productive members of the workforce. As part of our Chasing the Dream initiative on poverty and opportunity in America, I visit one bakery whose specialty isn't just the brownies they make, but the lives they're working to change. We don't care what people have done in the past. We're only concerned about what they're going to do in the future. And we invest all our money and all our support into helping them being successful in the future. That's Mike Brady, the president and CEO of Grayston Bakery in downtown Yonkers. Grayston isn't your normal run-in-for-a-conditioned-coffee kind of neighborhood bakery. It's a food manufacturing facility, and they specialize in one specific confection's delight. We make about a tractor-trailer of brownies a day, about 40,000 pounds of brownies a day. That's right. Grayston produces tons of my favorite chocolate chewy gooey treat. And even better, a lot of us have been enjoying their brownies for years and didn't even know it. Grayston Bakery provides ice cream legends Ben and Jerry's with the brownies for their flavors brownie batter, half-baked, chocolate fudge brownie frozen yogurt, non-dairy chocolate fudge brownie, non-dairy peanut butter half-baked, and my personal favorite vice, chocolate fudge brownie. But for Grayston, the brownies are actually a means to an end. The bakery was founded in 1982 by entrepreneur and Buddhist pioneer of the American Zen movement, Bernie Glassman. Born and raised in New York, Bernie began his career on the West Coast in the 1960s as an aeronautical engineer. After being exposed and studying Zen teachings, he returned to the East Coast in 1980 to start the Zen community of New York. However, it was his founding of Grayston Bakery that allowed him to put his Zen teachings into action. He had a belief that you could create a business that both uh, made profits but also contributed positively to the community. Uh, over time, we've developed that model and had some really great fortune in meeting other entrepreneurs like Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield, Ben and Jerry, uh, and we've been making their brownies for the last 25 years and developing our model of open hiring. That model, Mike says, developed somewhat organically. In the 1980s, the city of Yonkers, New York, was a struggling community. Even though it's the fourth most populous city in New York State, located just north of the Bronx, the city had the largest amount of homelessness per capita. And while others may have seen a community in irreparable decline, Mike says Grayston founder Bernie Glassman saw an opportunity in an untapped resource and created the Center for Open Hiring. We have a really simple model where anyone comes to the front door, they put the name on the list. When we have a job available, we take them. No questions asked, no background checks, no reference checks, no interviews. So we break down all barriers that might prevent someone that 
is either formally incarcerated, has a gap in their resume because they are formally homeless, dealt with addiction, uh, legal refugees that come to this country that have no work history. All of those people are welcome at the bakery. Uh, now they have to deliver. They have to, they have to be able to work and make great product for our customers. Uh, but if they're able to do that, we're happy to give them a chance. Grayston's hardly the first business to crow about hiring people who've been marginalized from the workforce. But according to Mike, their open hiring policy is as much about nurturing their staff as it is about bacon brownies. Not only do we bring people in, no questions asked, but we try to help them to overcome whatever obstacles they might be facing. Uh, and not necessarily because we're good-hearted humans, which we are, of course, but I want to get brownies out the door. So if I've got a new team member who's struggling with housing or dealing with issues around childcare or, 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 or issues around professional development, we're glad to help them with that if they're going to help me get brownies out the door. Uh, that's led us to have amazing uh, retention rates uh, once people enter into and get through our apprentice program. The business model for the Center for Open Hiring at Grayston is not to try and do everything themselves for a struggling employee. Mike says they're plugged into Yonkers' network of not-for-profit state and municipal community services to connect an employee in need with the services they deserve. He says it's a business model they're working to spread and partnering with other businesses interested in incorporating the idea of open hiring. I am a um, raving fan and client of Grayston. So I'm like one of their... Um, the last year or so, we've uh, been partnering with Clean, with uh, Grayson to help my company use open hiring policies in Rochester. Ty Hookway is owner of an upstate corporate cleaning company aptly titled CleanCraft. Rochester, New York has such a need for this service that uh, we've been working on a, a plan to have this being the, the second hub for open hiring in the United States up here in Rochester. Unlike Grayston, it wasn't Zen Buddhism that opened Ty's eyes to the potential resource that open hiring could bring to his business. In fact, he says he stumbled upon the realization completely unintentionally in the mid-90s, when his business, CleanCraft, was still new. A recent hire named Sanford had already impressed Ty as being sharp and on his game. And then, Ty ran into him late one night on a job. So one night I'm driving by the building, it's like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. He's supposed to have gone home, but I see his car parked out there. So I pull in, middle of the summer, just about this time of year, hot, hot, hot. And uh, he's in there vacuuming, doing extras, you know. And I said, Sanford, what are you, you, know, what are you doing here so late? He said, well, I just wanted to do the right thing for the customer, that type of thing. But he's, he's wearing shorts, which we don't really allow, you know. And down on his ankles, this ankle bracelet, you know. And I was like, what is that? I didn't even know what it was. You know what I mean, I had no idea what his ankle bracelet was, you know. And uh, he goes, Ty, I, you know, um, I got through your background. I don't know how I did it, but like I robbed a bank and I was in prison for like five or six years, you know. And um, I just want a chance, you know. I'm really good at this business. I just want a chance, you know. And I was sitting there, um, you know, caught flat-footed and had no idea, you know, that. You know, we did background checks. We did the same thing everyone else does. And I said, all right, Sanford, let's, you know, we can, we can make this thing work, you know? So uh, he's like a gifted human being. I could tell he was talented. And so uh, you move the story ahead 20 something years. He's, he watches like 120 people make 60, 70 G. He's my best guy. 
know, he's one of my top amazing human beings in my company, you know. And um, I learned like, wow, there's potential on these people. Like this guy would, would have never made it through my interview if I caught it, you know. And now 20 years later, he's one of my most, he's one of my best friends. And he's one of the most valuable resources I've ever had in my life as far as uh, educating me about how to talk to people, how to learn about uh, a world that I didn't understand, you know. And he's been um, sort of a portal for me for the last years to learn about people that are incarcerated or people that are, you know, have been off the grid for 10 years, you know, for different reasons. So um, that's how I sort of, by pure circumstance and luck, got into that world, you know. And um, so that's the kind of thing that when you talk, you tell a story like that, there's tens of thousands of Sanfords around, you know, that are ready to help and make a difference in businesses. And that's, that's why I think the model is, is the future. Now, not every person who comes through the open hiring system turns out to be a Sanford, but Ty says it changed his perception about the hiring process. There's risk when you hire anybody, you know what I mean? And I don't think this is a panacea, like this is not the answer to solve a big corporation's problem, but the fact is it it changes the world and it's a great business decision. He describes open hiring not as a handout, but a hand up, allowing businesses to fill their staffing needs and have a positive effect on the surrounding community. We aren't giving these uh, employees extra chance, like they're getting a chance to kick ass and we're gonna help them be successful. Like if they have a transportation issue, we support them there. If they have a housing issue, we support them there. If they have you know, food stamp issues. Like our job is to help them get back in society, you know, and they're great employees. There's also another perk the business community would love. Ty says because people brought in through the open hiring system are generally more driven and determined to succeed, they're far more willing to do whatever it takes to secure their foothold in the workforce. And therefore, there's far less attrition or turnover. It's a model Ty believes could be a lifesaver for smaller businesses, particularly in struggling regions like upstate New York. I think even more so in little cities like this is our model can work better because the streets of Rochester are brutal. I mean, it makes Yonkers look like it's going good in Yonkers right now. It's busy down there. Things are good. Rochester needs this as much as anybody, you know. So and, and 80 little cities like us around the country. Uh, the, the tier two and three cities need this type of workforce development. Um, so I think it's unbelievably scalable and I think it's got appeal to both the left and the right. Um, so I'm really excited to be on the ground floor of the of the of the movement and the process, you know, and I think it's got legs. I think it's got huge legs. Back at the bakery, things are humming along in the production line. Employees of Grayston adhere to strict food preparation guidelines, and everyone is decked out in company-issued navy pants, white long-sleeve button-down tops, absolutely no jewelry of any kind, and white hairnets. The smell of chocolate permeates the entire facility. Of the 100 people employed by Grayston, President and CEO Mike Brady says the entire production floor, roughly 75 people, were brought in through open hiring. Now, not everyone is a good fit for the job. Employees work 12-hour shifts, and for numerous reasons, some are unable to deliver. On the occasion when an employee is put on probation or asked to leave, 
It's not a surprise, or it shouldn't be. Mike says when new hires are brought in as apprentices, the expectations are made quite clear. You have to show up to work on time. You have to communicate with your managers appropriately. You have to communicate with your team members appropriately. You have to return from your breaks on time. You have to adhere to a, you know, an incredible, appropriate level of food safety and food defense standards. And you know, it's, if you're able to do those things, we know you're going to have a great chance of success. If you can't do those things, we'll explain to you what's, what the consequences are. And eventually, that's why we need to ask some people to leave. But he says for every setback at the bakery, there's a success story. Like 27-year-old Davon Cardwell. He's a Yonkers native, and he came up through Grayston's open hiring apprentice program at a pivotal time in his life. When I first started, I was, during, I was dealing with a case. I, I got um, aggravated DWI. And this is when I, in 2015, when I, before I put my name on the list. And I was dealing with a case for like a year and a half. And then Grayson called me and then they're very supportive. They was, I told them I have a case, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. I said, no problem, take care of your business. Still had a job, and, but if I, didn't have, if I didn't get that call, I don't know how I made it, made it to court. I don't know how I uh, paid the court fines. I don't know the, the fees, the probation is a lot, is a, was a lot. So just for me to get out of that from 24 to now I'm 27 to get over that hump, and Grayson, they helped me out a lot. Devon says he wasn't sure he'd even make it into their apprentice program. When he first put his name on the list, six months went by before he got a call from the bakery. Since there's a set number of employees, the company only calls people on the open hire list when an entry-level position opens up. But Devon, who had been working off the books running errands since he was 14, says when he finally got the call to come in, he was not throwing away his shot. Me coming in, I just try to learn everything I wanted to learn. Like, cause I know when they tell you in orientation, they always tell you you can move up. That's what the one thing they tell you when you have orientation is, you come there, you work hard. If the opportunity that is presented, you take it and you can move up in the company. And that's basically what I did. So I started as apprentice for six months. I finished my apprenticeship. I graduated, became permanent. After I became permanent, I was the upper line staff. And then after that, if you want to do the palletizer, which is like stacking the boxes that's wrapped up, they go to Ben and Jerry's. Then I did that for about a year. And then I saw the lead, um, the lead operator position open, and I took it. And you have to train for that about six months. And then I went through training, and now I'm the lead. I just got promoted last year. And working for Grayston Bakery has changed Davon's life. At 27, he says he definitely considers himself middle class and has a job that doesn't just pay the bills. It's something he takes pride in, and he shares that pride with others. Like if I'm with my cousin, I'm at a supermarket, and I say, oh, I see the Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I say, oh, we, we make the brownies for that. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell everybody, I make sure I tell everybody where I work. Oh, if I see somebody, oh, we make, we make, we put the brownies in that ice cream, so. That's gotta be and like. That's, no, it's a, it's a proud feeling. Like, it definitely is. It's a, it's a feel good moment, really. Every that's time what I'm up, thinking. Tell somebody, oh, wait, I work for that company that, that's doing great things. We make the brownies that goes in those ice cream. So. Grayston's brownies aren't just the chewy delight in Ben and Jerry's ice creams, they're also individually packaged and sold in Whole Foods markets and on Delta Airlines flights. Grayston's been a good fit for Davon, and he says he considers the staff a second family. He even got his kid brother into the apprenticeship program. Everybody here, we family, so you come in, we talk, we laugh, we argue, we fight just like any typical family would. So that's what we think, and we built, we, everybody built their own relationships here. So 
for that. It's, it's, I love it, working here. Grayston's president and CEO Mike Brady says, Sharing their mission isn't about pushing other businesses to adopt open hiring the same way they have, but to challenge them to try adopting the policy one position at a time. The income inequality gap is not closing. The issues around racism and bias are only getting larger. We need solutions that are really proactive in that, but at the same time, we're seeing the unemployment rate becoming the lowest it has in decades and access to talent becoming very difficult for businesses that want to grow. This is offering a great tailwind to Grayston. Uh, take, we are trying to take advantage of that with our partners. And uh, I think what we have here at Grayston is a sleeping giant. It is an opportunity for leaders to really embrace a, an incredibly progressive model that can make real change. If you want to see Grayston Bakery's brownie production in action, visit our podcast webpage at metrofocus.org slash podcast, or you can just click on the podcast window. That's the purple one in the upper right-hand side on our metrofocus.org webpage. This episode of the Metro Focus podcast is part of the PBS Chasing the Dream initiative, and funding for Chasing the Dream is provided by the JPB Foundation and Ford Foundation. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Metro Focus podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave a comment or click a review star to help more people find us online. You can also stay up to date with the podcast and everything Metro Focus by following us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a story or a subject you think we should know about, Message us on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag UniquelyNewYork so we can cover more of the stories you want to hear on Metrofocus.